Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The History Channel Original Podcast. There's nothing more American than a shopping mall. And we all know that every mall is only as great as its food court. From Cinnabon to Auntie Anne's pretzels or Shake Shack, there's a little something for everyone. These stores arguably have one woman to thank for their success, Deborah or Debbie Fields, a baker who was born in Oakland, California in the 1950s. Debbie Fields knew the smell of fresh baked cookies was irresistible. There was something about the smell of those stores that was incredibly alluring. She was making homemade cookies in her stores, and people understood that. They got that smell, they saw the line, and those stores were hot and happening. That's Beth Kimmerly, food and candy expert. Debbie's cookie shop, Mrs. Fields, blew up when it appeared in malls across America in the 1980s and she ignited a trend for more snack foods in malls. Mrs. Fields was definitely a pioneer with starting the snacks in a shopping center, and we see them still. Valerie Lomas is the author of Life is What You Bake It. We see Cinnabon, we see Auntie M's, we see Orange Julius. We've all been there, guilty of stopping at Mrs. Fields after smelling them from almost a mile away in the mall. Mrs. Fields became synonymous with an irresistible mall snack. Mrs. Fields cookies are just, you know, they're that perfect size and they're warm and they're gooey. And she really tapped into something that was missing from the American cookie vernacular. Her chocolate chip cookies changed the cookie game. And her recipe used quality ingredients and had that homemade feel. It's not just a Betty Crocker kind of anonymous woman. This is a real woman selling real cookies. But being a real woman selling cookies wasn't easy, especially in the 1970s, before women could even get business loans on their own. So how did Mrs. Fields defy the odds and get her cookie to become a sensation in malls across America? This is The Food That Built America, stories of innovation, taste, and good eats. Today, we'll take you back to the 1970s and follow how Mrs. Fields became a chocolate chip cookie pioneer. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. Debbie's interest in cookies started at an early age. Debbie had a great cookie recipe by the time she was, you know, 13 or 14 in her teenage years. She was the youngest of five girls born in Oakland. Her father was a blue-collar worker and her mom was a, was a happy homemaker. And that was sort of the expectation for her, that she was going to be a dutiful housewife. But Debbie had an independent streak. Debbie actually worked. And part of the money that she earned as a young woman, she spent on higher-end baking items. So instead of settling for the Crisco in the cabinet, she went out and bought butter. Instead of settling for the white sugar, she experimented with things like brown sugar. 
And one of the experiments that Debbie was obsessed with was trying to figure out how to bake the perfect chocolate chip cookie. In fact, she was still working on her recipe when she got married at 19. Her husband, Randy, worked in finance and was 10 years her senior. She's married and playing the dutiful housewife for her husband and her husband's friends. They were living in Northern California. And so, you know, Debbie's living in this world where she's trying to find her way, her own way in a world where she's young. She doesn't have a lot of experience except for making cookies, but she wants to pave her own way. And she's got this kind of yearning and this ambition in her that really motivates her. Her ambition was to make cookies, but not just make them, to reinvent them. She started small. She started putting these cookies out, you know, on trays for parties for her husband's friends and bringing them to all sorts of events. And people loved them. But one day at a party, she had a reality check. It's going to take a lot more than delicious cookies to be taken seriously. So she's at this party with her husband and, you know, some of her husband's friends, and they're sort of dismissing her, right? She's 10 years younger than most of them, and some of them are even older than Randy. And she's in this group, and she uh, misspeaks, right? So she says something, and one of her husband's friends walks over and gets a dictionary and schools her. Debbie was humiliated. And she, in that moment, decides... I will never let this happen to me again. And I am going to make something of my life. She was not going to let people who thought they were smarter or thought they were better than her get her down. So Debbie finally decides her business idea can't wait any longer. She's ready to launch Mrs. Fields. In the 70s, chocolate chip cookies weren't exactly a new invention. They went all the way back to the 1930s when a woman named Ruth Wakefield invented them at the Toll House Inn in Massachusetts. But over the decades, the cookie had, well, a corporate makeover of sorts. The chocolate chip cookie is sort of like this corporate favorite. Everybody's kind of piling on. And you had Nestle, you had Pepperidge Farm, you had Nabisco cookies, right? And they all came in boxes and you brought them home and they lasted a long time. And the reason they lasted a long time is because they didn't have a lot of moisture in them. Cookies in the 1970s were prepackaged, made to sit in cupboards for weeks. That meant that instead of chewy and gooey, most cookies were crunchy, often went stale. These companies had baked and baked and baked their cookies so that they were hard. And that's all Americans knew in the 70s and 80s. And I'm talking about Oreos and Lorna Dunes and Nutter Butters and Chips Ahoy and all these cookies were hard cookies. Through the years, the ingredients also changed. So they weren't using ingredients like fresh butter. They weren't using necessarily brown sugar. These were ingredients that had been kind of dumbed down to be packaged, right? Debbie wanted to change that to bring the taste of gooey, home-baked cookies to the masses. And for her, it started with the ingredients. They needed to be top-notch. So Debbie's really first in bringing these quality ingredients into the recipe, right? She's not cutting any corners by using, you know, cheap oils or, you know, cheap sugars or corn syrup. She's really using ingredients that matter. So she's using real butter and brown sugar and good quality flour. The ingredients made all the difference. 
what Debbie did is she brought quality back to the chocolate chip cookie. Confident in her recipe, Debbie knew exactly what she needed to do next, secure a loan to start her business. But as a woman in the 1970s, it wasn't easy. At the time, getting a business loan as a woman was basically impossible without a male co-signer. Women didn't get access to a lot of capital to start a business. It just wasn't a thing. When a woman went out to get a loan, she was denied. This kind of gender discrimination was commonplace, says Mireya Losa, associate professor of history and American studies at Georgetown University. They could not get loans. They could not purchase homes. They could not go off and purchase even a car on credit. So imagine if you wanted to purchase a car that you'd have to ask your father, your brother, or your husband to sign the loan because you yourself could not be issued a loan. For women who were entrepreneurs, this was incredibly difficult. It would all change years later with the Women's Business Ownership Act of 1988, which finally allowed women to get their own business loans. But at the time, Debbie had to lean on her husband, Randy Fields. Debbie walked into a bank and told a banker, you know, what she wanted to do. And they looked at her husband. But Randy wasn't exactly sold on the idea. So Randy was a little unsure about Debbie's business, right? He's a financial analyst. He's a spreadsheet kind of guy. He understands numbers. So he wasn't sure about Debbie's opening a store. But Debbie knew she needed dough to make dough. He was a little uncertain, but he was supportive of her so much, though, that they ended up getting a loan. That loan? It had a 21% interest rate. Yep, 21%. Definitely not an ideal interest rate for a fledgling business owner. Romy Kerr is an assistant professor in entrepreneurship at Baruch College. Accepting an interest rate of 21% is crazy. It's so high. Imagine the pressure it puts on your business that one-fifth of every dollar you earn goes to the bank. That amount of pressure is so much for any entrepreneur to deal with. But the high rate didn't stop her. Mrs. Fields opened her first store, Mrs. Fields Chocolate Chippery, on August 18, 1977, in the Liticoats Market in Palo Alto, California. It was the moment she dreamed about. She opened with six types of cookies, served warm and fresh. So she had milk chocolate with or without nuts. She had semi-sweet with or without nuts. She had an oatmeal that was stunning. And she had only one that is not served today, and that was Kara. But her husband, Randy, still had doubts. He even teasingly bet her she wouldn't make $50 in sales that first day. After a few hours, she realized she was losing the bet. Customers weren't coming in. Americans weren't sure at first, right? So they see the price tag and they're thinking, well, what, what am I going to get for that? And that's where her sampling came in. She knew if people had even just a bite of the cookie, they'd be hooked. She knew that her cookies were best when they were warm and fresh. So in her mind, she's thinking, okay, they don't know what I'm selling. I'm going to go out there and put it on a tray and have them sample it. And that was genius. Because once people tasted those cookies, they were sold. At the time, sampling wasn't as ubiquitous as it is today. It was a new and winning sales strategy. 
Debbie was really one of the first to go out there in a beautiful dress, have her name on the awning of the store with a tray and sample them for people to taste. She knew that if she went out there and sampled her cookies, people would buy them, right? They had never seen anything like that before. They had never tasted anything that was warm and gooey and lovely and fresh baked. I mean, this whole concept was brand new. The cookies were a hit. Safe to say her husband lost that bet. Mrs. Fields sold $50 that first day and $75 the next. And that was just the beginning. By the first year, she profited $200,000, which was beyond her expectation, was beyond Randy's expectation. And it was sort of the first cookie store that had really set the tone for like, this can be a profitable business. In 1979, she had opened a second store in San Francisco and the pressure was on to open more. But Debbie wasn't in a rush. She'd fallen in love with cookies as a teenager and wanted to take her time to make sure that her cookies and her business were baked just right. Then there was the case of the recipes. Debbie wanted to keep her cookie recipes top secret. This recipe of Debbie's was years in the making, right? She had put her own hard-earned money as a teenager into developing this recipe. She knew it was the key to her success. But keeping it secret while growing the number of stores was hard. If nobody else knows the recipe, what happens when Debbie Fields is sick? You know, there's a lot of limitations in being the only one who knows the recipe. So she had to figure out a way how to replicate cookies from store to store without revealing the recipe. And she did that in a really interesting way. Debbie knew she had to give store managers the ability to make their own cookie batches. But she didn't want all of them to have the recipe. So she figures out a way to get many of the ingredients prepackaged and then sent to the store so that she doesn't have to share the recipe, right? So all the store manager has to do is undo a bag, put it in a mixer, and then voila, she's got cookies. She was able to both grow and keep the recipe secret for now. But while she was opening new stores, she had just over a dozen by 1981. Debbie wasn't ready to franchise. She still wanted to be in full control of her stores. Debbie's apprehensive, and rightly so. She's got this magic in her stores that she knows is super special. Her customers know is super special. So she really, early on, decides not to franchise, right? She doesn't want to lose that control because that those stores are so unique. And those stores exude love, right? Through the cookies. Kerr says that with franchising, there are just so many variables. And Debbie was afraid that she would hurt the quality of her product. Can they deliver a consistent product? Because it is my product, right? When you're Mrs. Fields. Can they deliver the same service that we provide in our company stores? More importantly, does this person who wants to franchise my business have a passion for cookies Or is this purely a financial move for them? These are the uncertainties that any entrepreneur faces when they're faced with franchising. But without franchising, Debbie had a lot more work ahead of her. It's the hard way to build a business, to not be able to franchise. If you think about it, she's managing every last detail, right? She's hiring these managers of the store. She's training them. Every single thing she's doing herself. And it's an incredibly hard way to build a business. Debbie was used to doing it all and didn't want to franchise yet. 
But a new form of technology that would revolutionize her business is just around the corner. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. After seeing her initial success, her husband Randy was all in. Randy's experience working in Silicon Valley meant that he could bring a new focus to the company. So Randy has a little bit of a background, not only in finance, but he's already kind of interacting with with folks who would come on to be the Palo Alto tech scene, right? So he's he's got a lot of friends who are understanding how technology is going to change business. And Debbie needed the help. Since she decided not to franchise, she was still overseeing all the stores. She needed to find a way to be in the know without having to be in touch with every store. So Randy came up with an idea to use new technology to their advantage. He allowed corporate headquarters to start talking to the stores through an intranet that he set up. And that was like unheard of, right? And what he did for the stores was unlike any other retail chain had ever seen. An intranet was like an early version of the internet, where people could connect via a local communications network that's private. It was a way to share company information and resources among employees. The tech gave them an almost real-time look at their operations across stores, a way to track hour-by-hour performance and sales projection. Debbie and Randy were able to check on the stores through this system that not only controlled inventory, they knew exactly what was selling every second of the day. They could get a snapshot of what a store was doing through this software system that Randy built that was kind of amazing and ahead of its time. And quick service restaurants use it all the time now, right? They have visibility to inventory, they have visibility to sales, they have visibility to everything. But Randy really put that software on the map. The new system was a game changer, says Kerr. We need to remember that in the 1980s, computers were not everywhere. For Mrs. Fields to implement a computer system to track important and key metrics of the business was truly a bold move. And it made expansion that much easier. They didn't have to go and travel to all these stores. They could really see what was happening day to day, minute to minute in these stores through this computer system. Randy Fields would ultimately sell his store management software to other fast food companies, including Burger King. Mrs. Fields continued to skyrocket with approximately 500 stores by 1987 and sales nearing 120 million. It seemed like she was at the top of the cookie world, 
but competing brands had taken note of Mrs. Field's soft-baked success. A lot of these larger cookie companies are replicating Debbie's style. So they're starting to develop cookies that are soft-baked. They're starting to develop cookies that are a little larger, right? They're starting to notice that consumers are expecting ingredients that are like Debbie's. So they're changing their landscape based on Debbie's success, and it starts to make her sweat. And on top of that, Debbie finds that her cookie recipe, the one she had been developing since she was 13 years old, was supposedly no longer a secret. People are coming into to the store all the time saying, oh, I've got the recipe. I've got the recipe for Mrs. Fields' cookies. I've been making them at home. This recipe is rumored to have been stolen. And imagine, if you will, this is before the internet, right? This is before misinformation can spread rapidly. How does it spread? People start handing out this fake recipe to one another. Mrs. Fields says the recipe is a fake, that only three people know the secret formula for her chocolate chip cookies. But it wasn't just the fake recipe. Her reputation was damaged too. The rumor was the company mistreated someone and that person released the recipe in retaliation. People are claiming they're disseminating this recipe because Debbie herself did something wrong. And that is just horrifying for somebody who built their business on being sweet and generous with her employees. And all of a sudden, people think not only do they have access to her her recipe, but that she's done something wrong. They created this storm, this horrible storm for Debbie. Debbie knew that at the end of the day, it wasn't the real recipe, and she was able to weather the storm. Anybody who went home with the fake recipe and made those cookies knew full well that that was not Debbie Fields' recipe. And that's the interesting thing. She understood that these rumors can circulate, but at the end of the day, I've got a superior product. The recipe scam was a momentary blip. Mrs. Fields bounced back. At the end of the day, Debbie's business continued to skyrocket. By the early 1990s, Debbie would finally embrace the one thing she thought she would never do, franchising. So Debbie finally realizes that she has to franchise or license her business in order to really make a go of it. And she does so in an interesting way because she keeps all the stores in the U.S. and she franchises anything that's not in the U.S. So this franchising strategy to let franchisees in other parts of the world license out the Mrs. Field concepts all of a sudden make Mrs. Fields a global business. She had stores around the world, including in Australia, Canada, Japan, Hong Kong, and the United Kingdom. And it grew exponentially from there. Mrs. Fields and her husband, Randy, sold the business to an investment firm in 1996. Today, Mrs. Fields has more than 250 franchise locations around the world. They offer everything from giant cookie cakes to brownies, chocolate chip dipped strawberries, and coffee cake. Debbie remains an inspiration to entrepreneurs. And whether she knew it or not, she was inspiring a generation of female bakers and female food makers to do their own thing. She really inspired all of us women to put forth the best product out there. And she had made one heck of a cookie. Debbie Fields gave America a wonderful cookie. 
If you like this podcast, then you'll love watching the Food That Built America TV series on the History Channel. Go to history.com to find out how you can watch the Food That Built America today. The Food That Built America is hosted by me, Jonathan Hirsch. At the History Channel, our executive producers are Jesse Katz, Mary Donahue, and Jim Pascarella. Our supervising producer is McKamey Lynn. From Neon Hum Media, our executive producer is me. The series is produced by Muna Danish and Kate Mishkin. Our associate producers are Chloe Chobel and Rufaro Faith. Our editor is Maura Waltz. Samantha Allison is our production manager. Sam Baer and Josh Hahn are our mix engineers. Music from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. And fact-checking by Naomi Barr. The Food That Built America was originally produced by Lucky 8 TV for The History Channel. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.